right, moms are good sports, aren't they? Yeah, we do all sorts of things for our kids. Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to Greystone. I'm so glad that you are here this morning. My name is Jennifer, and um, my husband and I get the privilege of pastoring Greystone Church. We love y'all, and it's so happy to be here. This time last year, we were all watching online, if you remember that. It was a really weird time, so it's really great to be with you in person. I want to welcome those watching online, our Walton campus, our Oconee campus, and everybody in the room. It's super cute to see your families dressed up for church and the little girls and boys in their outfits. What a great time. Hopefully they still look cute for the picture afterwards, right? Um, I want to wish a very happy Mother's Day to my mom that's watching online, to my beautiful mother-in-law that's here. Jonathan and I are so blessed. We have two incredible moms that have done amazing things in our lives and for us all these years, and we're just so thankful to celebrate with them. And I want to wish a happy Mother's Day to everyone in the room and those watching online. And this is a really great day to be celebrated. And I want to say that God is good, but sometimes life is hard. And so some of you are sad today and you're grieving some things. Um, You're grieving the loss of your mom or the loss of a child or a sister. And I just want you to know that I love you. Jonathan loves you. Our church family, we love you. And we, we are here together in support of one another. And we're really thankful that we can worship with you. And we're going to have a little bit of fun for a minute. Um, Those of you that have attended our women's conference know that I like to give things away, some of my very favorite things. And so I wanted you to um, get to see some of these. And at the end of the service, our campus pastor, Josh, will explain how we're going to give them away. But these are actually some things that um, we're giving to our moms today. But anyway, I love candles. This is from Bath and Body Works or White Barn. And these are, to me, the best candles. I also love, and if you don't have this, ladies, and you don't win it today, you need to go to Ulta and get it. But this is called It's a Tin, and it's a leave-in product, and it's a miracle leave-in product. And it actually is. It works really good. So this is important. You need to get that. The other thing is, y'all know, Jonathan and I love the beach, so you need a new beach towel. All right? So this is another thing. It's time. It's, it's warm time. It's time to head to the beach or the pool. And then for those watching online, we are giving away an Ulta gift card. And so your campus pastor will say in the chat how you can enter that. So anyway, I love new products and new things. I'm glad I get to give those away. All right, so it's always a great privilege to get to share with you. And unlike Jonathan, you know, Jonathan has to prepare every week. So every Monday, he's like, got another sermon. Got to figure out what to, to preach about. But for me, I only preach like once a year. So I have a whole year to think about and to ask God what he would like for me to share with y'all. So back in January, actually, I began thinking about this message and praying about it. And um, if you can remember the 1st of January, the pandemic was at its worst. Political things were going on that were making all of us nervous and crazy and lots of anxiety, like a lot of fear about when are things ever going to get better is kind of how we were feeling. One of the biggest decisions I was facing at that time was whether to have the women's conference, it was scheduled for the end of January, an in-person event or not. 
okay? So Jonathan did an exercise with our staff that he's done for the last several years where we choose a word for the year, kind of a word that's going to drive us throughout the year. And how we do that is we go spend some time alone. We spend some time in prayer, reading scripture. We think about our goals, what we want to accomplish for the year, what we want to see God do through us. And we ask God to give us a word. So I did this back in January, and the word that God gave me was forward. That we, I wasn't going to shrink back, but that I was going to move forward, that God was leading me to move forward. And little did I know how much this word was going to come into play later in my life. So today, for the message, we're going to answer the question, how do I move forward when I'm in the middle of a storm, when life is uncertain, and things aren't going too great. How do I keep moving forward? And we're in this series called Stories of Faith, and so we're going to look at the book of Esther. Esther's in the Old Testament, and we're going to see how she was able to move forward in her life. So I'm going to set the scene for us. I'm going to kind of paraphrase the book of Esther for us. So the time period is 480 BC. Persia is the greatest empire in the world. And there are Jews, the Jewish people, God's people are scattered all throughout Persia. There is a young woman named Esther or Hadassah. She, she went by Hadassah at first. And Esther's, both of Esther's parents die when she's a child, and she is adopted into Mordecai's family. Mordecai is her cousin, so Mordecai adopts her and raises her in his family. Esther 2.7 tells us that she is very beautiful, which comes into play because the king is looking for a new queen, so he asks for the most beautiful people in women in all of Persia to come into the palace, and he's going to choose a new queen. So she goes through 12 months of beauty treatments, and um, her cousin Mordecai, who was her adopted father, tells her, do not reveal to anybody your ethnicity. Do not tell anybody you're a Jew, okay, because the Jews were not well-liked. They were persecuted against, okay? So now she is in the king's palace, and after the 12 months of beauty treatments, she wins the contest, and she becomes the queen. She is the queen of Persia. Now, Esther 3 introduces us to our evil villain. There's always an evil villain in a good story, and his name is Haman. Haman is the second in command, and he wants everyone to bow down to him. He actually makes a decree that everyone has to bow down to him. Mordecai, who has been hanging out in, at, around the palace gate to keep an eye on Esther, does not bow down because he will only bow down to the Lord his God. And so Haman sees this, that Mordecai will not bow down to him. So he devises an evil plot, and he takes it to the king, who buys into it, that on a certain day, on a certain month, all the Jewish people will be annihilated. Mordecai hears of this, and he is so distraught that he weeps at the gate. He tears his clothes. He puts on, like, burlap clothes, and he is weeping. Well, Esther hears about this from her servants. And so she asks her servants, go to Mordecai and ask him why he's 
crying at the gate, why he's wailing, why he's wearing those terrible clothes, sends new clothes for him to put on. And Mordecai tells the servants, you need to tell Queen Esther this that the king has signed a decree and that all the Jewish people will be annihilated. And then he says, Esther, you need to go talk to the king. Well, there's a rule back then that if you approach the king, even if you were the queen and you approach the king without being summoned, you would be killed, okay? There were two choices. He would either kill you, or he would put his scepter down and allow you to speak. And Esther knew of this, and she had not been summoned for 30 days. So she was very scared. So she sends word back to Mordecai, I can't do it. I have not been summoned. I will be risking my life. And then Mordecai tells Esther these words, and we're going to read them together. Esther 4, 13 and 14 says, do not think that because you are in the king's house, You alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. You see, the providence of God had led Esther to this position. Her parents had died. She'd been orphaned adopted by Mordecai, a beautiful woman brought into the king's palace, chosen as queen for such a time as this, to save the Jewish people from annihilation. I don't think that many of us can relate to being the queen of Persia, but I do think we can relate to Esther in a few ways. And the first one is this, that Esther suffered some childhood traumas. Many of you in the room have experienced childhood trauma. You are neglected, you are abandoned, abused. Maybe you were raised in a broken home, a volatile household. Perhaps um, things happened in your life. You lost a parent young. Where you just, you experienced some childhood trauma. Well, Esther did too. She lost both her parents when she was a child. And she experienced some of this trauma. Those leave lasting effects on our development. The second way that you and I might be like Esther is that Esther was faced with a giant problem. Many of us right here today are facing some giant problems. I think all of us faced the coronavirus this past year with the A year ago this time, we were all at home. We were shut down. We didn't know when things were ever going to get back. We were fearful. Many of us lost loved ones this year. We lost our job. Maybe our job changed drastically because we had to work from home. There was a lot of unrest civilly, politically. We we had some really traumatic things, a giant problem that we didn't ask for and we didn't expect. These giant problems sometimes lead us to do things we normally wouldn't do. A lot of us got back into old habits that we had given up. We might have started drinking too much or shopping too much. Jonathan and I, we started eating too much. And he actually, we went on this crash diet back in February. He said, next time there's a pandemic, let's not gain 20 pounds. I said, yes, I agree. Let's do that. Um, But a lot of times that's what happens. We face a giant problem and we react in a way that might not be great. 
And that, that's happened, and a lot of us are in this situation. I've asked someone very special to our church, Lauren, to share her story of a life-altering situation that happened to her and what happened in her life. So let's watch Lauren's story. So I grew up as what I lovingly refer to as a Catholic priester. We only went on Christmas and Easter. And I got saved at about 19. Um, didn't start walking the walk until I was about 24, though. Um, when I was 24, I was engaged, and my fiancé was coming back from deployment, and he was stationed in Virginia. So moved, got pregnant, and I was about eight months pregnant when he told me he was gay. Um, so that rocked my world. It broke me. Um, it shook me to the core. and. Uh, I struggled to come back from that. Um, I had made a decision uh, when I found out that I would move back to Florida to be with family. So I went to Florida, um, landed with my family, um, amazing supportive family, but I was still so sad. And as supportive and amazing as they were, I was so sad that I had decided that that next Sunday I was gonna go to church and then I was gonna come home and kill myself. I went to church Sunday and I will never forget that the response song was Praise You In This Storm by Casting Crowns. And uh, that song stirred in my heart. And um, after the song, the pastor had announced that on that following Wednesday, they were gonna be starting a prayer service, um, specifically designated for a time of prayer. So I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll give it until Wednesday. <laughs> um, and I'm glad I did. I went to the prayer service. I took Austin. He was about six weeks old at the time, and there was no childcare. Um, so I ended up in the lobby with a screaming baby for most of that prayer service. But once he stopped, I was able to get back inside, and I sat in the back row, and I sobbed, and I sobbed, and I sobbed. <laughs> And a beautiful lady named Paula Blair came and asked how she could pray for me. And she gathered uh, several other women who I'm still really good friends with to this day. And they all prayed truth over Austin and I. And it was in that moment that the fog lifted. It was like God said, I've got you. I did create you to be this baby's mom and you can do this. And so I went home with this peace that was it couldn't have been from anything else but God. Um, and I got on my knees that night and I told God, I said, if you can get me through this, my life is yours. I will do whatever you want if you can just get us through this. Um, so I ran to God. I ran head first, <laughs> dove in head first, um, and started serving. I started on our counting team, counting tithes once a week. Uh, and then mustered the courage to audition for the worship team and started serving there. Um, I moved to Georgia um, a few years after that and found Greystone and got plugged in here. I emailed the worship leader literally after the first service I attended and uh, got set up with an audition and started, started serving there um, and also got plugged in with small groups right away. Uh, we've done family game night groups, I've done women's discipleship, but the first group I joined was the single moms group. And this group is full of such amazing, bold, beautiful women that are just navigating the hills and valleys of single motherhood. 
you know, none of us signed up to be a single mom, but we are embracing that challenge together. I am not a perfect mom, I'm not a perfect person, um, but I can say that I believe God chose me to be this boy's mom, and I've had the honor of seeing him accept Christ. I got to baptize him two years ago, uh, and I'm just so grateful that in that moment when I had to choose whether to run to God or run from God, that I chose to run to him because I was one service and one prayer away from ending everything. And I can't imagine what my son's life or my family's life would look like had I chosen to run from him. That's such a powerful testimony of what God did, and now she leads us every week in worship, and we are so thankful that in her crisis, in her life-altering tragedy, she stepped into a church and stepped into community that loved her and prayed for her and helped her through that. We're so grateful that she did. And the third thing, like Esther, all of us have the opportunity to do something great for God, but it takes faith It takes courage. And Esther had to take steps to do this for God. She was scared. She was scared for her life. But she knew that God was calling her to take that step forward. So what she did is she asked Mordecai and she asked her servants. She said, let's pray. Let's fast and pray for three days before I approach the king. And we're going to trust the Lord with this. She moved Forward. I loved Jonathan's message last week as he introduced the stories of faith and he, he taught to us from Hebrews 11. But my favorite part was back in Hebrews 10:39. I love this verse. It says, "We do not belong to those who shrink back. We have a relationship with Jesus. So when we face hardship and trials and a challenge to do something for God, we don't shrink back. The world shrinks back. They might shrink back, but we don't. We have the Lord in us that's going to enable us to move forward. So let me ask you the question today. Where in your life are you stuck? Where does it feel like it's impossible to move forward? It might be a failed marriage. It might be a rebellious child. It might be a financial situation that is dooming, looming over you. Do you feel afraid or insecure or ashamed of your past and you just cannot move forward? Now that you've identified where that is, I want you to write it down on your notes. If you have got a notes, you can write down where are you stuck. I want you to identify that and let's figure out what's keeping you there. Many times you're stuck because you have unresolved trauma, unresolved problems, unresolved pain in your life or you feel shame over something you did in the past, and it keeps you stuck, and it keeps you from going anywhere. And this happens to a lot of us. And I'm looking out at some of my friends that are in um, recovery group with me or in discipleship group, and we've kind of shared some of this with each other. But we get stuck because we have unresolved things that have happened in our past. So this is what you do. The first thing is you name it. Okay, God, this is what it is. This is what I'm feeling sad about or guilty about or fearful about or insecure about. So you name it. You tell yourself. The second thing is you tell God. He already knows, 
But when you can pour out your heart to God and say, God, I'm so disappointed that this happened in my life. I'm so sad that this is going on. I'm so ashamed that I did that and I'm suffering these consequences. You know that time doesn't heal all wounds. It's time and work. And we've got to work through these things. So you, you, ne- you tell yourself, you tell God. And the third thing is you tell someone else. You tell a trusted friend. And I've seen this happen in our groups. As we tell each other, as we name our pain and we confess it to each other, God begins to heal us. In Psalm 32, 3 It says, when I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. When you you keep silent and you keep it all to yourself, you kind of waste away on the inside. But when you tell someone else, there's some healing that happens from that. Many of you know that I've um, battled depression over the years. And in 2018, I faced a significant depression due to some personal trauma. And I had to kind of go through these same steps. I had to name it. What is, what is causing this pain? I had to talk to God about it. I spent a lot of time praying, journaling, writing it out, asking God for healing. I couldn't see light at the end of my tunnel, but I was trusting in God. But then I also had trusted friends and a counselor that walked me through this. Time doesn't heal all wounds. It's time and work. And the Lord did some things in my life then that I'm able to apply continuously in my life. Another reason that you can't move forward is that you're afraid. You're afraid of the future. And you know, a lot of times, and I'm with you here, we want to know like 10 steps from now. And if, if I know 10 steps from now, then I'll take the next step. But God doesn't work that way. He's a light for our path and a lamp for our feet. And it's the next step. And we it's a step of faith. We have to take that step of faith. I love that the most given command in the Bible is do not fear, do not be afraid. Do you know how many times that command is given in the Bible? 365. And that's not an accident. It's for every day of the year. God knows our hearts. He knows we're fearful. He knows we're afraid. But every day of the year, he tells us, do not be afraid. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will make your paths straight. We just trust him. When we're fearful, And I'm dealing with this every day. I'm fearful. And I say, God, I cannot figure this out. I cannot control it. But I know you say not to be afraid. And I'm going to trust you in this. And I'm going to trust that you're going to make my paths straight. Many of us don't move forward because it's overwhelming. We look at the battle or the problem in front of us. And it's too great. And as I was reading through Deuteronomy um, last month, God just really spoke to my heart about how we're supposed to respond when we're facing this big battle. Deuteronomy 20 says, when you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours. Some of us are facing that today. We're seeing this huge army that's greater than ours and we don't know what we're gonna do. 
Do not be afraid of them because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. When you're about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, hear, O Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to give you victory. So that's how we go into battle. The Lord, your God, he's going to go before you, he's going to fight for you, and he is going to give you victory. What we can learn for this, from this is we're all going to have battles in life. Some of you, I know the battle you're going through right now. And as I look out and as I think about those members at our other campuses, my heart breaks because I know what you're facing right now. But what I want to tell you is the Lord will fight that battle for you and he will give you victory. Jonathan shared with y'all a couple of weeks ago about my parents. um, And I just want to share that both our family is going through the biggest crisis we've ever been through. And my dad, who's a very vibrant, active 77-year-old man, has actually been in full-time ministry his entire adult life. Um, In the middle of February, he was diagnosed with Guillain-Barre syndrome, and he's paralyzed from the waist down. He had been playing tennis just a few days before. And um, he was in the hospital a while. We thought he was recovering, and then he started getting weaker again. So now he went back to the hospital for treatment. He's in the rehab part of the hospital now and um, still paralyzed, getting stronger. Thank you, Jesus. Um, But it's going to be a long road for him. We're trusting God that he will walk again. About three weeks ago, we, um, my mom's cancer is back. She started her chemo treatment and my dad and mom were actually in the hospital at the exact same time, opposite ends of the hospital, um, and fighting. My mom's literally fighting for her life. I'm so proud of my parents because they are walking with Jesus through this battle, but it is hard And I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel right now. And this is kind of where the rubber meets the road, right? I've been a Christian for 41 years. I've been in full-time ministry 31 years. I've told y'all, just trust God. He's going to get you through it. And now I'm thinking to myself, do I trust God? Do I trust that God is going to get our family through this battle? My parents have incredible godly character. And I was talking to my dad a couple days ago and And I said, Dad, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of how you're approaching this. You haven't been angry. And he said, it never occurred to me to be angry. Frustrated maybe, but I'm not angry. So we're walking through this battle. It's where the rubber meets the road. And the Lord has been reminding me of the word forward that he gave me back in January. He knew we were going to go through this. And I've been saying we're just going to take it one day at a time. God is going to get us through this. And he is getting us through it. And then on Friday, I was like, God, I need more than one day at a time. I need thee every hour. And he's with us every hour. I'm so thankful. We don't do it alone. We do it with God. We do it with our church family. And we're going to get through this. And you're going to get through the battle you're facing 
because the Lord is going to fight for you and he's going to get you through it. So let's look back to Esther. She's faced with this heavy burden. Is she going to go before the king or not? She prays about it. She knows she's going to do it, but um, she's a little bit scared. And the word from Mordecai is applicable today for us. Maybe you have been placed in this position for such a time as this. Maybe Esther survived her childhood trauma, adopted into Mordecai's family, won the beauty contest for such a time as this. And let me sum it up and make a long story short. Esther did approach the king. He granted her request. The Jews are saved and Haman is killed. So that's how that ended up. It worked. It worked. She, she, she definitely took that step of faith. That's a sum. Read it later. There's more to it. But it worked. She took, but she had to take that risk in the step of faith. Have you ever thought that God uses every pain, every hardship, every trial for something to do in your life. God doesn't waste a hurt. And maybe all the things that you've been through in your life, that you've survived in life, that God is all working together for such a time of this. Perhaps this is the moment for which you have been created. Um, One of my favorite scriptures, and it actually really helped me a couple years ago when I was going through my depression, is Isaiah 43, 19. And it says, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. You see, that's how God works. He does something new. Some of you are in a wasteland. You're in a failed marriage. You have rebellious kids. You have a spouse that doesn't believe in Jesus. And you feel like life is a wasteland. You're battling a health crisis. And the Lord wants to make a stream in the desert for you. Are you going to allow him to do that? He's going to do something new for you. You know, the world is obsessed with getting back to normal. Aren't we? We're obsessed. When is life going to get back to normal? Or what's the new normal? But I believe that God doesn't really, that's not his goal here. He doesn't care about normal. He wants to do something new, something new and greater and bigger and better. He's going to make a stream in the desert for us. He's going to make a way, a river in the wasteland, and he can do it for you and me. Where do you need to trust God today? Doesn't it sound so much better? Let's do something new. Let's let God do something new in our hearts so exciting, so much better than getting back to normal. As we close, I want you to say that I am right here with you. I am in the battle. I'm in the fight. I'm struggling to have the faith to believe that God's going to give our family a miracle. I am. Every day I'm begging, God, please make a way make a way. But I'm stepping out in faith and I'm trusting God. And I'm I'm asking you to do the same in your own life. Step out in faith, trust God, move forward. Don't let the world cause you to shrink back. Don't let this crisis, this problem 
lead you to fear and insecurity and doubt that's going to cripple you. Let's move forward. Let's do it together. Let's do it in community with each other. I want everyone to take a minute, and at the the bottom of your notes, there's a fill in the blank here. It says, today I am moving forward. I will not let, and this is where the blank is, I will not let anxiety, I will not let my shame, I will not let my past, I will not let this failed marriage or broken relationship or job stress, whatever it is, keep me from God's plan for my life. Don't let that keep you from moving forward. God had, Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. And when you let your situations rob you of that, you're going to stay stuck. You're not going to get to move forward and experience the abundant life in Christ. What's keeping you from moving forward? Is it unforgiveness? Is it bitterness? Is it a broken heart? My challenge would be to surrender that to the Lord. Give it to him. Say, God, I'm not going to let I'm not going to let the devil use it one more day to keep me from walking with you. I'm going to move forward. Are you numbing your pain with alcohol or with food or with shopping or with busyness and not facing what it is? Don't let that one more day rob you from the abundant life you can have in Jesus. Write it down. Write it down, give it to God, and believe that he will fight your battle for you. In the meantime, you remember the promises of God, how he's gotten you through storms before, and he's going to get you through this one. Remember that Jesus cares for you. Remember that you have a place here. If you're a guest and you don't have a church home, we would love for you to join us. Get a part of, become a part of our community. Get involved. Write it down on your card. I want to get involved. I want to know people. I want to get involved in the body of Christ. We would love to do that with you. And as we close, I just want to say that all of you in the room, you are so special. You were created by God for his purpose. He created you uniquely with your personality, with your likes and dislikes, and how you're wired for his purpose. And he wants to do something new in each of our lives. My challenge to you is surrender to him to say, God, you've got my life. You've got my heart. I'm going to walk with you today. I'm going to trust you for the next steps. And I'm not going to let fear or anxiety or my situation keep me from moving forward. We're going to have a time of response and you're going to be able to come to the cross and pray or partake in the Lord's Supper, which is right there. Or we also have a hope chest where you can write down your prayer request. I would also challenge you to write it down and put it in that hope chest. Today, God, I'm not going to let whatever it is keep me stuck or keep me from moving forward. Let's pray together. Dear God, we are so thankful that we can come, come here, that we can have a relationship with you. God, we thank you that you enable us to walk through the storms of life. God, that you're with us, that you never leave us. God, over and over in scripture, you tell us to not be afraid, to trust in you, 
Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you all. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. God, and some of us just need to feel that righteous right hand upholding us today, God. And I pray that as you speak to each of us in our hearts, God, you know what's going on with us, God, that we would have the courage to surrender, to trust, and that we would enable you to help us move forward in our lives. God, I pray for each person in the room. God, I pray that we would walk out of here with a confidence and assurance that you're right here with us and that you're gonna give us victory. In Jesus' name, amen.